to Pudding Ain't Easy, and we're here for episode six of Loki, the season finale for all time, always. So you can tell I've done my homework today, I've even remembered the title of the episode. (laughs) And I'm your host today, Carl, and with me, as always, our other member of Team Godfather, the alligator Loki, to my boastful Loki, it's Scott McLeod, everybody. Ah, <laughs> uh, Carl, you know, podcasts come, podcasts go, but at the end, we are the podcast that remains. <laughs> we are, and with us a special guest today, we have our own female variant joining us, <laughs> Sylvie, to our Lokis. It's Sam Carmichael. Welcome, Sam. Hello. Thank you for having me. You're more than welcome. That time I had somebody else other than Scott to put up with. Well, thank you. Thank you very much. (laughs) I'm a lot easier to schedule with than your previous podcasting co-host, I'll have you know. I'm going to have to watch the Scottish jokes today, though, aren't I? Because I'm going to be a bit outnumbered. Yeah. He's a fucking change, doesn't it? (laughs) <laughs> so uh, Sam, Sam you want to hear some of the things he was he was saying last week or talking about how he built Hadrian's Wall to keep us out or fucking filth absolute filth <laughs> mm, or maybe build the wall so that the Scots can you know keep the English out mm. there is that there is that I mean you go have your independence but don't come crawling back to us and it all goes tits up uh, see, even with two Scottish people here, he's starting it all again. The truth comes out now. <laughs> so, Can't we all worry. just be friends? I'm not racist. I don't. I just don't like the Scottish. <laughs> You're like. Like Austin Powers' dad, there's two people I can't stand as far as people. Yeah. Are people doctors and the Scottish. <laughs> That's about it. But before we get cracking, Sam. Minus the finale, which we're going to get to now. What have you made of Loki so far? Um, I thought it was really interesting. Um, like the the concept of it, I thought it was quite interesting in the way they were able to kind of place it in between uh, certain films that we'd seen because we've all seen like a lot of people probably seen Ragnar Ragnarok, and then um, mm-hmm. they have seen that version of Loki. So it's it's nice to see like an older version of Loki, but, you know, but you still have those kind of rose-tinted glasses, like everyone kind of likes Loki. So it's it's quite interesting uh, to see that. And I think it's also, uh, like, good to be able to see, like, the different variants of Loki as well. I mean, I love the crocodile Loki. I mean, that's just, like, the cutest thing ever. <laughs> See, there you go, Scott. You're finally cute. Oh, thank you. I was going to say, not so cute when, you, when he's trying to bite your hand off, I think. You know, I'll give you on that, but 
something I wanted to ask Sam before we go into this. You know, we've talked a lot on the show because the main shows that we cover are available on Disney Plus. Like we've been covering a lot of the, the Marvel stuff and the uh, and the Star Wars like content, and we've talked a lot about how kind of fortunate we are through the last year or so to have the shows on Disney Plus. Uh, I'm assuming like everybody else, you've been watching a lot of stuff on on Disney Plus. So what's been kind of the main thing that you've enjoyed watching on Disney Plus? Whether it's something new. That you've discovered or something you've already watched but I went back and watched? Uh, well, during the pandemic, I went back and watched the Mighty Ducks, uh, the trilogy, after finding out that they had the uh, Game Changers come out. So during the pandemic, watched the, the trilogy and then watched it again closer to the time when Game Changers came out. And I watched Game Changers and I loved it. It had the same feel and emotion from like the original uh, trilogy and seeing like the original cast members come back was just amazing. Yeah, I watched that as well. It was uh, quite a good show actually, to be fair. Mm-hmm. Yeah, especially, um, like, I thought it had a quite um, good humour in the show. Um, I think the, the original movies had the same kind of humour, but um, they've kind of modernised it. Uh, so I thought that was quite good. Yeah, I, I think I've only ever seen the original film. I don't think I ever bothered with the, the two sequels. I don't know if they're any good. Are they any good? Uh, I, I grew up with them, so I guess it's just the nostalgia for me that I just I just love them. I love them all. I love all of them, but the first one's always the best. But I, I just love all of them. The sequels are shite in short. Then <laughs> <laughs> it just. It does seem strange how the first one it's just about Pee Hockey, then the second one they go and represent uh, Team USA, even though it's pretty much just consistent of like one team from Minnesota. Um, and then the third one it's like they're literally just in high school, or even though they're all 18, but they're literally in ninth grade, so they're all meant to be 14. Um, just silly Hollywood uh, standards for age, I guess. So it just seems like the stakes go up to a certain point and then it's like, oh, we're representing our country and now it's like, oh, we're just like junior varsity versus varsity. It's like, yay, the stakes have went lower. <laughs> so it just seems <laughs> silly. Uh, actually, I haven't seen any of the, the Night Ducks play either the show or the films and, you know, I hope I won't be just too much here because I revealed that on a previous podcast and Nathan and Jimmy really did we're not kind to me for that well you know it is it is a bit of a disgrace to be honest with you scott but we'll, <laughs> we'll overlook it we'll overlook it thanks i appreciate that don't, wouldn't want me to feel like shit or anything no no we wouldn't want that and you have disney plus now so you can you can go and give them a wee watch and see what you think yeah, I'll add it to my to-do list. <laughs> it really sounds uh, very confident on, on, on that. <laughs> yeah, put it on my to-do list. Never. <laughs> Trust me, you should see my to-do list. It's long. There, there's some shit I've, I should have watched long ago. But you know, when I first got Disney Plus, it took me ages to start anything new in Disney Plus. Because I spent the first few months just watching like past episodes of The Simpsons. Well, you see, I started rewatching Buffy because that was on there, and that's that's my thing that I sort of grew up with. And then 
Angel came on there, so you know that preoccupied me for a little bit too. Yep. Yeah, I love those shows. I loved watching them when I was younger. Yeah, brilliant shows. But yeah, so let's get on now. I have got about five or six pages worth of notes here, so I'll try and make the whole hypnosis thing as brief as I possibly can. I'm sure they don't want to listen to me jabber on for for ages. So I shall get cracking. Okay, the beginning. I think they changed up the beginning a little bit because you sort of hear some sort of quotes from um, different Marvel characters. And correct me if I'm wrong, but I'm sure I heard one small step sort of added in there as well at one point. And then we get, we see like a big sun and then that turns into like a big, what I'm taking supposed to be the the sacred timeline and we whoosh through all that and we land back to where Sylvie and Loki stand outside the citadel at the end of time, which is like a very creepy haunting mansion. Something I noticed, it's got like little like yellow sort of cracks all over it. So I don't know if they're meant to represent cracks in time or something, but anyway, they end um, after Briefly wondering whether they should just bang down the door or not, they enter the citadel and are greeted by Miss Minutes, who makes them a little bit of an offer, saying, oh, he can put you back into the timeline and give you exactly what you want. And when they ask who he is, he says, he who remains. Um, They both decline these offers and after that, we go back into a little scene with uh, Renslayer downloaded some files. Miss Minute pops up to say hi to her. Renslayer complains that these aren't the files I asked for. And Miss Minute says he thought they would be more suited for what you need. She, Renslayer asks, who's he? And Miss Minute doesn't answer. She just disappears again. Back in the Citadel. Um... Loki and Sylvie finally do meet he who remains. Uh, he offers them to come into his office. They climb into an elevator together. Uh, the elevator ascends. Um, Sylvie makes a few attempts to, to kill this he who remains, but he avoids all her attacks. And then back into... Uh, the TVA, we see Renslayer, she sees an old coffee stain left by Morbius. Also, she starts to reminisce, but Morbius is back. She says, are you going to prune me? Morbius says, no, I'm a bit above that. And they sort of start arguing, discussing about the rights and wrongs of the TVA and the mission. Um... We'll delve into that more when we get uh, discussing things back in the Citadel. Uh, Loki and Sylvie are basically at a desk talking to he who remains and he starts telling them about everything that's going on. He tells them that he knows everything that's happening, everything that's going to happen. That they, they may have got to him, but he paved the roads that they walked on, basically, and he has a temp pad 
which apparently is preloaded with all the moments that they try and attack him, which is why they're able to avoid their attacks so quickly. Um, maybe as a man say back in the TVA, she talked, we have more sort of discussions. Maybe it says you betrayed him, but um, Renslayer says you betrayed me and everything we are working for. What for? Just because you got um, your head turned by a couple of low keys. He tries to attack her, but he's no match for Renslayer. She kicks his ass quite easily. Um, makes her way through a time door. We don't know where. He, all we know is when Mobius asks where she's going, he says, "In search." She says, "In search of free will." Uh, back in the uh, Citadel. Um, God, I've got that many pages. Me, I don't know me right notes. And look at me now. Look at me now. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, he's um, he who remains says, says he's, I've been dubbed by many names, a ruler, a conqueror. Um, he who remains um, a jerk. I think he says, <laughs> uh, but it's not as simple as a name. He, t- he tells them about Varen uh, of himself in the thirty first century, basically discovering the multiverse. Um, finding ways to open doors to them and then infinite versions of himself meeting and greeting and living together in peace and sharing knowledge for a time but then more evil variants started to show and they just saw all these multiverses and new worlds as places to rule and conquer he tells them now that I have been fibbing because now we're at a point where I don't know what's going to happen and if you if you decide to kill me, everything I've done will just completely undo, and you'll open the multiverse, and you'll have infinite amounts of evil me's trying to take over everything. Sylvie doesn't believe him. She says you're a liar, and she still wants to kill him. Loki tries to stop her, tries to talk sense into her. They have a bit of a battle. Sylvie sort of gets the upper hand. He tells her, look, I don't want a throne. I don't want anything. I just want you to be okay. Um, what's this a few times? I'm not exactly sure what Sylvie says. I think she says, trouble is, I'm not you. I think that's what she says. One of you, you can correct me if you think I've got that wrong. And she pushes him through a time door. And then she basically kills he who remains. And you start to see all the timelines start to branch off and fracture in a massive way um, back in the TVA. Mobius is talking to um, Hunter B is it B-15? Yeah. Um, something like we've never seen anything quite like this before and Loki comes up to find him. He starts, look, look, this, he's coming, he's going somewhere worse than anything we've seen and hell-bent on destroying everything and that's like, who are you? <laughs> they've already <laughs> they've already forgotten him he's, he's there too late and he looks out the window and he sees a massive statue of he who remains and that's basically it that's basically the end of the show and the series so what a way to end it talk about cliffhangers did, did you watch through the credits Carl? Um, I watched through both of them why does something happen I don't remember seeing anything that uh, there is a, a scene uh, 
because I kept watching remember the first time I watched it uh, just to make sure because obviously we had that one post credit scene in episode four where I thought surely something's going to come at the end of the final episode nothing and right at the midpoint I think of the credits it just shows somebody with a file and oh yeah yeah yeah. yeah yeah I know what you're going to say yeah I did see that I thought you meant uh, I thought you no, know, no 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 I meant like a little clip yeah so we're definitely getting a Loki season two so hurrah yeah, but then bloody Kevin Feige came in and said we probably won't start filming to at earliest 2022, maybe even 2023. Boo. That, that is a boo, yeah. So, guys, what did we think of this final episode? I'll, I'll let Sam go first as the guest. Uh, I thought it was quite good. Um, I thought it did a really good job of establishing uh, human means. Um without um actually seeing which character from the comics he is um i mean they dropped hints to it but they never actually said his name in the comics um so i thought it was really good uh kind of because uh, they kind of build him up as just kind of this smart arse a little bit um so it's like he knows everything so he's quite cocky and you know he chuckles a lot which is pretty you know, it kind of mm-hmm. you can see it kind of pisses off lo- the two Lokis. Um, sounds so, a lot. Sounds a lot like Nathan when said out loud. <laughs> <laughs> it does, yeah. Oh, God, last last thing we need is an infinite number of even worse versions of Nathan. <laughs> <laughs> oh, <God>. <laughs> <laughs> Good Lord, you've described my nightmare, girl. <laughs> <laughs> Well, Scott kept away for the next week. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I think they did a good job of kind of maybe foreshadowing a more um, violent version of him uh, in the future seasons. And I thought it was funny when, as a, the, I can't remember her name, that goes through the door. Um, uh, Brent Slayer. You re- yes, Rensley, that's it. Yeah, um, it's not just me who forgets names. <laughs> <laughs> um, but I like when she left, because I remember when uh, I watched it the first time with my partner, I was, and she's like, where are you going? I went, oh, off to season two. Uh, just as a little <laughs> quick kind of joke in there, because uh, it's like, this is probably the last we're going to see over this episode. Um, so, yeah, um, I thought it was quite good. I like how it wasn't too like action heavy because a lot of people think you know for the big finales it needs to have like all this big action uh like series like um scenes and things like that but um i like how it was more like slow paced and it was just kind of like exposition on establishing uh, he remains and kind of what to expect from his character in the future uh I remember also hearing all the rumours about Kang. I was like, I heard he's, he's based on uh, coming. And, you know, like, because one of the timekeepers that we see that turns out real is, like, kind of designed almost after Kang's most recognisable look in the comics. So everybody for weeks on end, and every time wasn't a, he wasn't he didn't show up, uh, it was even more stronger. He's going to show up in the finale or whatever like that. It's like, it's like, like in one division, the longer they did, it, they took to reveal, you know, Agatha, Agnes is Agatha Harkness. The more people speculated that it was going to happen, and then it eventually did happen. Uh, but 
I, I did like you know the the end the name the Conqueror as well, and when he when that guy showed up because I'd all I'd seen of this actor was in images when they announced him as cause he was meant to debut in Ant Man three, and if you go on IMDb, he's credited in this as He Who Remains, but he's credited as Kang the Conqueror in Ant Man. So I'm interested to see what happens this new this variation that shows up in uh, Ant Man and how many different variations over like Phase four do we see? Because as, as Sam said, this episode may not be as action heavy with the exception of maybe that fight between Sylvie and Loki. But I think when we get further into this new phase of the MCU, we're going to look back on this episode of Loki and realise just how important that was to setting up everything that's probably to come. Yeah, I mean, if that's the case, it's he's going to get a lot of work, the actor who plays uh, mm-hmm. He Who Remains, if they're going to use different variants of him as uh, different villains and stuff. That could be quite interesting. But I don't know if you two have seen, like, uh, what they call it? Is it Assemble? They've done, like, three little makings of, of each of the the three series they've done. Uh, Winter, the Winter Soldier, Captain America 1, there's what one division one and one with Loki, and on that he does confirm that it is Kang. Yeah, it, I think it maybe rises into a theory. I said to you, Carl, a few episodes ago, I'm wondering if somehow the TVA is somewhere in the quantum realm because you know Mobius said in the first episode, time passes differently in the TVA, and you know we had the whole thing with Scott Lang going into the uh, the quantum realm and getting stuck there over the five years of the blip. But for him, it was only a few hours. So, and given that he's meant to show up again, that character in Ant Man, I think we can make some connections there to where exactly the TV is supposed to be. Yeah, that could be. Yeah, that's a, an interesting take. Mm-hmm. I didn't even know they were making an Ant Man free, actually, until you just started talking about it. Well, hopefully, I mean, I liked Ant Man 1. I could have done without Ant-Man 2, to be honest with you. Ant-Man the Wasp was kind of meh for me. Like The only thing really you needed to know about was the post credit scene where they all disappear, because that's how that explains why uh, why Scott Lang appears in that van in the middle of Endgame. But other than that, the whole film really doesn't se- didn't seem to matter to me. Like Hopefully Ant-Man 3 proves me wrong, but you know, I didn't when they announced Ant-Man 3 amongst a bunch of other things they announced, I was kind of like, oh, great, they're doing another one of those. I will say, it just didn't have a very strong villain. I find the film enjoyable enough, but it sort of made the villain, like, sympathetic because she had her own sort of problems going on. And I think these sort of superhero films are better when you've got an out-and-out villain, really. And. Maybe it'll be like Thor, because the first two Thor films I couldn't have cared less about. Then Ragnarok came around, and it's one of my favourites the MCU has ever done. So maybe third time lucky. You know, I give I give you three films, and then I give up on you. <laughs> what did you think of the Ant Man films, Sam? Uh, honestly, when I think about it, it's like I can't really remember the second one that much. Um, I remember the first one. Um. I think I actually it's been so long that I can't I kind of like watch them once and then if I, I kind of don't really watch them again it's just so that I kind of know what's going on like for the MCU um but yeah it's like I remember the um Paul Rudd was quite funny 
in them. Which is the one that has the large giant ant in it? <laughs> uh, I just remember it playing the drums or something. That's like the only thing that's popping into my head right now. And I don't know I why. That's the second one. Is that the second one? Right. Yeah. I can see I can probably see why you didn't like the second one that much. Uh the first thing I'm that pops into my head is a giant ant playing drums. Uh probably not the best like um image to think of. Uh, like like a lasting impression to give your audience. Um yeah. but I think I would just remember like Ant Man and the Wasp just felt like a way to shoehorn Wasp in there. Uh, just to have like, here's another Marvel character that we're that we're showing and showcasing. Um, but yeah, I, I do feel like um, I don't mind a sympathetic villain, but I feel like um, it when when your villains are more sympathetic, you don't really want to see the heroes just clobber them. If you know what I mean, it's like if if the villains just downright evil, then it's fun just to watch the villains clobber them, because you're like, eh, they're pure evil. But then if you make them comp, I think for superhero movies, if you make them complex, you're kind of like, you can save them, be nice, you don't need to beat them up. But um, but I think just for superhero films, it is just fun to just have like a downright evil villain. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Like that's how that's why Stan I think was so good. We did that whole episode uh, for Chronicles Girl and him like we, we talked about the idea of him being you know, having almost good motivations, but like as they point out and what if it's still genocide, so like he's not sympathetic in that you can save him. He's not totally, you know, without some merit in terms of his motivations, but again, still a baddie. Yeah, that's that's the thing, like, uh, with Thanos is all he wanted to do was make the world a better place and then just go off and live on a farm somewhere, uh, which a lot of people can probably sit in there and think, huh, I can see the point in that, you know, because, like, human beings are awful people. Like, mm. there's, like, majority of the human population are just awful, especially to each other. So, um, yeah, it's like you can actually sit there and think, he kind of has a point, but then at the same time you're like, like, morally we can't be can't be doing that. But then, in the back of your mind, you're like, well... I mean, if you just did all the Scottish people, it wouldn't have been so bad. (laughs) I mean, to be fair, I mean, Scottish people hate Scottish people, so... (laughs) I mean, have you seen Glasgow when there's an old farm game? Like, Uh, yeah, I I was going to (laughs) say. Damn Scots, they ruined Scotland. (laughs) Uh, and I feel like I can say that since my family are Rangers supporters, so I, I feel like I can bash, I can bash on my own family. So, <laughs> but yeah, getting back to the how far we brand our own little family <laughs> the episode, didn't we? We did, we did. <laughs> <laughs> we really did. But yeah, it, what, what do you make of um, Renslayer's character development? Man, it seems like she's she's not bad in the strictest sense but it does feel like she's sort of clinging on to this to these ideals that perhaps don't really hold much water anymore which is quite relatable in a way mm, I remember when I watched it the first time round uh, I just felt like she was a total bitch um, I don't know what it, it, it just feel, it just felt like it's clear it kind of shows the clear brainwashing that's going on because she's literally shown that everything that they're fighting for and everything 
that they're working towards has been a lie, yet she still clings to this false narrative that she's been told. And, and like she says, it's all about giving her life some kind of purpose. But it's like, I think it's kind of interesting. It's like, I think she is quite like a bitchy character, but um, I also feel like you can kind of understand her a little bit as in her entire like foundation that she's kind of done her entire career on is she's literally been told that it was all a lie and she's still clinging to something that she can understand and that she can kind of work towards. Uh, because if not, then she is falling into that chaos that she thinks is going to happen if people have free will. And it's almost like, well, what do I do with my life if I have free will? You know, it's kind of like, then my life goes into chaos because I don't have a fixed purpose. Yeah, exactly. And uh, Mobius is on the other side of the fence where he's saying you can't take that free will away and he's willing to fight for the for the rights of free will. So it's quite realistic in a way because like, not everyone agrees on, on everything. We have one person's good thing is another person's bad thing. It's going to be interesting like, how much we see of her in, in season two because... Uh, we don't know what those files are that she was looking at that she got from He Who Remains. So you know, I think where she goes maybe based on whatever he sent her and maybe we'll find out more about that. Maybe she'll run into a different version of him or maybe she'll run into herself because we got to see kind of a little bit of her time when the one that she was taken from when uh, E15 showed some of the other like hunters like that Brenslayer was a variant and starts to show everybody else you know the truth about what the TV really is. Yeah, and it kind of makes sense that she was a principal. <laughs> you know, I think what happens after they leave, because I don't think they would have reset that, because that's the like, regular timeline. So what's that woman going to do like when she gets home? Like, yeah, these, these weirdos call me a judge. They're all dressed in black, running about with these sticks. <laughs> Just write it off as a dream or, or something. <laughs> But yeah, it's uh, it is quite interesting the way a character develop, and it could go like you say. She could meet another variant of he who remains, and maybe go a bit more all out evil in her attempts to right the wrong. You know, in her attempts to right the wrongs, perhaps. You know, there's a different way, many different ways they could take the character to make things interesting. Do you, th- do you think they made Sylvie a bit seem like a bit of an idiot in this? Well, I thought this the second, the first time watched it. I don't know how I feel about it the second time around. But, you know, I remember watching it and, you know, Loki is trying to, like, think about it. And I think he's seen it as more of a, you know, these are people we, we refer to as, you know, dictators and everything. But we can maybe keep everything in peace, but, you know, do it our way and then change things within the TVA. And it'll make things, give a bit more choice. She's just so focused on the idea that it's a lie and everything because... You know, I think she's all the lead up to find out who's behind the TV and killing them. And she's, I think she's just so focused on trying to kill he who remains that she's not willing to listen. Like, so quickly, because you know, she talked about it in the last episode that she was still not unsure if Loki would betray her. And then as soon as he tries to talk her out of killing him, she assumes that he just wants to rule everything that she can't. And she was never right, right to trust him. And then she just kills him and then basically pretty much doomed, maybe doomed everybody by killing 
I think uh, that I don't think she was an idiot because if you if you know the character of Loki, he's the god of mischief. Um, but I think her actions are more kind of rooted in the fact that she has so much heart and so much pain that she's went through because she was uh, pruned when she was a young child and she's desperate to kind of get revenge for having her entire life be ripped away from her. So I don't think she, I think it was just to show that um, when you are so blinded by anger and heart and pain and rage that it makes you do things that are not logical and you can't listen to reason and you can't listen to sense because all you want to do is just um, act upon those emotions and that's why when you see her break down at the end of it she kind of realizes that um, it didn't it didn't matter you know after killing uh, he remains like that pain that she felt before is still there like all those emotions that she thought would uh, be like um, concluded after she'd done this task that she had pretty much spent her entire life um, to get to this point. Uh, it turns out that when you do this one thing that you think is going to make everything better, it actually doesn't because you're not actually dealing with all that emotion that you're going through. You're just acting upon acting upon emotions but you're not actually dealing with what you're going through mm-hmm. yeah I, I agree with sam there as you say from when you seen from a character point where she was taken away by as such a young child and it's all she's ever known is running and hiding from this evil tva that so she said hunted her like a dog and yeah obviously the hate the fear has sort of clouded her judgment and as yoda has said that always leads to the dark side <laughs> yeah what happens to her i think is going to be interesting and seem to like because what does she do does she stay that cell? how does she get i think she's got the tempad but does she go back to the tv where does she go now with all the timelines branching uh because it's weird how things change in the TV so quickly at the end, because it goes from what looks like the version of Mobius and 100B15 that we've known, kind of seeing everything branching off. And then when Loki confronts them, clearly a lot of, a lot has changed, because they don't know who he is, and they see the statue. And it was very Planet of the Apes-like, and then you see the statue at the end. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you, just, mm-hmm. you just want like, this, like the musical version of The Simpsons, you just want uh, Loki getting his Loki, Loki getting and go, oh my god, I was wrong. It was Kang all along. <laughs> <laughs> well, maybe we'll get a musical episode in season two. Who knows? It can't be done. Yeah, I think she'll probably leave the um, that's it at the end of time. But I can see them like a lot of them being separated for most of the second season, and maybe finding their way to each other towards the end. Perhaps that's the way they could go. Perhaps, Who knows? Yeah. Mm-hmm. I really enjoyed looking at the introduction of He Who Remains, but there's a lot of people like with theories about this. What do you guys think he happens? Like when he, he pauses for a second, as if he can, he knows something that we don't. And when he says we have just crossed the threshold, because uh, a lot of people have theories about what it is that happened at that exact moment. Because you know, 
this could be happening at the same time as anything else that's already happened in the MCU because, like I said, we don't know how much time exactly has passed. Yeah, a lot of people think it's to do with uh, Wanda becoming like the most powerful being in the MCU or something. That's that's the theory I've heard. Or it could have been me when I had a big fart. <laughs> yeah, I've seen a lot of people kind of uh, dispute Wanda theory. I heard that one as well, but there are a lot of people kind of dispute. Now, I don't know if Marvel have said anything about the Wanda theory, but I got something before we came on because, you know, you think I'll say this is maybe the introduction to the multiverse and the MCU kind of going forward, which can probably help them introduce other characters going forward, like uh, the X Men and Fantastic Four and things like that. But, you know, I, I would be maybe what he senses happening is what, uh, like, Spider Man and Doctor Strange do in the, the new Far From Home trailer when they're kind of messing around with, you know, the timeline. Everything and like trying to make people forget, and the spell goes wrong. Maybe that's what what you uh, remain senses. Yeah, it could be actually. That was um, that's uh, that's a good theory actually. What do you think, Sam? You got any ideas? Uh, I'm not really sure. I think I like I like the idea uh, for the the Spider Man the theory because uh, I mean. The idea of having three different Spider-Mans in one, in one movie is enough to make anyone pause, isn't it? That is true. That's true. So have you got anything else you want to add, Scott, if you're still there? I see you're on mute there. Actually, I forgot I was on mute. I started talking and forgot I was on mute. <laughs> so <laughs> I said the theory about Spider-Man because, you know, in the trailer, they make it seem like they've kind of Cause you know, like the multiverse almost, because you hear strange saying that's this is a subject we know frighteningly little about. But you, I think, obviously, he remained the timeline started branching before he remains was killed, but also him dying probably made it worse. So, I think something big had to have happened to start the things branching off. And I think potentially what happened with the multi with the uh, Doctor Strange, I think, considering that's also going to go into a film called The Multiverse of Madness, then. I think that's probably a big enough event to cause that to happen. Because also with the, the Spider-Man and the different villains from previous films coming back. Uh, it's just a theory. Also, until Marvel say anything about it, then it's just all fan speculation, isn't it? I mean, it just shows you how good it can be when you get it all right, linking all these things together, and, you know, and sort of coming at it like ham-fistedly, like the DCU sort of did. Uh, yeah, don't get me started on that. <laughs> <laughs> mm. I'm sure we've sure we got a whole other podcast in that. <laughs> and it's so sad because the DCEU could have worked out if they just planned it out, like kind of like Marvel did, where they had like a certain plan to like go by of what the films that they wanted to do. Uh, it would have been so much easier if they did that. But no, they just decided all we need is Superman, Batman, and Wonder Woman, and that's it. And we'll just make a Justice League movie and not even establish all the characters. It's so stupid. I think I think they did want Green Lantern, but that film flopped so badly. It just went out the window. Yeah, so bad. So bad that Marvel decided to, like, uh, poke fun at it 
in Deadpool. <laughs> I just love the end, that end bit of um, Deadpool 2 when he's reading the script and he's just behind him and sort of basically shoots himself. Yeah. <laughs> Says it all. Says it, it all. Does. Even Ryan Reynolds thinks of it. <laughs> Yeah, because mm-hmm. also the suit was all like CGI and everything. Yeah. I said that was the biggest disappointment for him. They didn't yeah. even get to like wear the suit. And that's yeah, the thing. You don't need to CGI a costume. It's Green Lantern. Like, come on. It's like, spend that money on the ring and the effects. You do not need to like waste all that money on a suit. It's like, come on. I mean, surely they could have seen as well that it looked absolute shite as well. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. But but there you go, you know, no CGI suits in Loki, thank God. <laughs> mm. Although I am very surprised at um, the budget, like, see some of the set pieces and uh, the effects for, like, the backgrounds and stuff. I thought that looked really, really good, like, when they were on different planets and different worlds and things like that. Mm-hmm. That was really cool. Yeah, so, I mean, it's Disney. I mean, they've got a limited budget. So, you know, you kind of forget because you used to watch, we used to watching stuff like on BBC and ITV, like Doctor Who, with even nowadays with shaky props and mm-hmm. terrible looking costumes. And it's Disney with unlimited resources making almost mm-hmm. mini, mini movies, aren't they? Yeah. And mm-hmm. it, it feels like they're putting the effort, the same kind of effort into their, um, their Marvel TV stuff as they are into their blockbusters. And it shows with the quality of the products, like even with WandaVision and uh, Falcon and Winter Soldier, it's like you can see the quality there um, with like the props and the costumes and the budgets. And uh, it's just refreshing to see TV kind of, like what's considered TV to be elevated to the same kind of, not the same standard, but like a similar standard as uh, movies and things like that. Yeah, definitely. And they're all sort of to inform uh, future films as well. Is Wanda going to be in the new Doctor Strange film? Have I got that right? I know they're going to do another Captain America with um, Anthony Mackie taking the, the, the main title character, which is cool to see. And also, uh, obviously, this thing with Loki is going to branch up into other things as well. Yeah, because you can yeah. see if they try to take these uh, same stories and kind of uh, like jam it into like a two-hour movie, you can see that that could get really rushed really quickly. So it, it's nice that they can give them like just six episodes, and it can take its time, and it can breathe and tell a decent story instead of trying to cram so much kind of like Justice League into one film to the point Zack Snyder needs to make like what was that four or five hours about four hours yeah it's like like, you do not need a four hour epic especially when it's when you haven't even established half your characters but I digress I don't know I mean you kind of do after many months of lockdown and you're running out of things to do. I thought I think fits the bill quite nicely then. Now you've got all these people saying, we want this the Snyderverse back. And I'm like, 
No. I mean, you've seen how bad it was before. Do you yeah, really want to give them it for- back? If you forgot it was crap. Yeah. <laughs> and it's like, I get it. He went through a tragedy, so it was nice of Warner Brothers to kind of give him the opportunity to just release Justice League the way he wanted to release it. That was that was nice of them, and that that's lovely. But it's like, come on. It's like, if you want to do DC, at least have a plan, you know, and... Like you can't just go into it half arsed, especially when you're dealing with something that's so massive and crappily CGI out somebody's moustache. Oh, I know. Don't even even start me. It was for Mission Impossible as well. It wasn't even something important. Like how important was it that his character in that film needed a moustache? It came at the expense of Justice League for fuck's sake. And it's like, like, did they really need those scenes with? Superman in it? Did they really need those scenes? Were those really that important? It's like, come on. I mean, I mean, you fucked up fucking like um, Batman versus Superman by doing the death of Superman like on in his second film. It's like, what the hell are you doing? <laughs> it's like, how is this meant to be impactful? Because the death of Superman in the comics was meant to was meant to show like the effects of his death not only on the world but on the Justice League and it's like they hadn't even made Justice League at that point so it's like why are you literally snowballing this when you can just take your time and do Death of Superman later it's like sorry I just it gets me really angry whenever I talk about this sorry <laughs> maybe, maybe yeah. there's a time variant where there's a DC decent DCU universe oh that would be nice wouldn't it we, we don't need the, the Snyder. We don't need the Snyder version. We've got an easy fix to DC. You know, they're doing Flashpoint, which is just going to rewrite the timeline. Mm. But, and also it's bringing back Michael, Michael Keaton, which is nice. And I think there's maybe, I think he almost confirmed in an interview that he might be coming back as Vulture for Spider-Man. Because uh, he said before, because also that and Spider-Man and Flashpoint do with like alternate timelines and multiverses. And he just openly said in, a universe, in an interview, yeah, I'm in like multiple films where they talk about multiverses. They tried to explain it to me. I just don't get it. <laughs> so he's just openly like, I don't get all this stuff. But, you know, I'm happy to do it. Uh, but, like, so there's something that I mentioned to Carl before. Like, you kind of, like, raised a point about talking about, like, you don't need a, a movie. You just give them, like, a few episodes. Like, the great thing about Falcon Winter Soldier, I said, Carl, like, it felt like there was everything they wanted to kind of establish about, you know, Sam as Captain America before they did a Captain America. And, also, if they tried mm-hmm. to add all this into a Captain America movie, then it would kind of feel rushed because you can't have a film titled Captain America and have him give up the shield at the start because everybody knows by the end he's going to get it back. But mm-hmm. you do it across a TV show, you get more a bit more doubt. And that's the great thing about these shows, as I mentioned this before, that this is why it was so exciting for me when it said Loki will have a season two because Wanda didn't need to be more than nine episodes because her story will continue in... Her story will continue in Doctor Strange and maybe she'll be the way to introduce X-Men and mm-hmm. obviously Captain America will be its own thing. This is one that could easily be multiple series and there are other shows that can be multiple series. Depends on where you want to fit these characters into the MCU. Yeah. Uh, but it's also but it's still kind of sad that you have to wait so long to, to get it. Especially because mm-hmm. they said, oh, 2023, like Ant-Man 3 is scheduled for 20, early 2023. So I'm wondering what happens with He Who Remains 
and Kang and Loki if the end of the film where you reintroduced a different version of them and Ant-Man comes out first. How is that all going to, you know, connect, you know? I just like I want it sooner. I need to know things. <laughs> and I don't want to have to I don't want to have to watch fucking Ant Man first. <laughs> that's what it all I mean, comes down to for me. That's a good problem to have is where you are literally wanting more and mm-hmm. the studio physically can, you know, push through uh, the pandemic in order to satisfy the uh, their fan base but that's a good problem to have because um, if you've got your fans on the edge of their seats wanting more then you know that when the next time you bring out uh, a film or uh, a series that the fans are going to be there as soon as the, as soon as the the date drops for it and <clears throat> yeah you've you've pretty much got your fans hooked then haven't you mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, the hype for Spider-Man uh, No Way Home was just unreal, and that was just for a teaser trailer. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, th- I think it had, like, six million views, like, in, like, a couple of days or something like that. It was insane. Mm. You know, I'm interested to see what happens. You know, do you think they'd maybe extend Loki more than six episodes for season two, or do you think they'll keep it as is? It's, like, uh-huh. so much more. there's so much more to explore now. Yeah, I think a lot could depend on budget, although we pretty much know that's infinite. And um, I don't know what sort of story they tell. I mean, because they're not, it's going on a network, they're not having to sell a set amount of episodes to a TV network. So they're kind of free to sort of go with as many episodes as they deem necessary. If it's if it's a weird number like seven, then so, so it'd be seven if that's how it Tie, you know, if that ties it up uh, nicely, because a lot you, you get a lot of episodes, especially in America, that are like twenty two, and you know the pacing can be a bit all over the place, and you get sort of midway through the season, you got you still quite have to stick a lot of fillers in sometimes because they're trying to extend it to this, you know, twenty two, twenty four series run, whereas you know on these sort of streaming platforms you can have as as many or as few episodes as you want. Mm. And you think with, with Kang, you know, his introduction here, and I know a lot of people probably wouldn't know a lot about him if you haven't really read comics, so I think it's going to be very similar to Thanos and that people may not have known him before his introduction, but they might you know, really get to know him by his like, portrayal. You think this really kind of sets up with the different versions we're going to see of him that Kang will probably be whenever the next Avengers comes out. Like Kang will probably be the main antagonist. He might well be. And also, do you think Shredder will be with him? So, do you think who? Never mind. It's a. It's a. Trying to have a bit of a joke because Kang sounds a bit like Krang. Ah. <laughs> <laughs> so I just thought, like, what? Did I say something? Did I, make, I thought I'd made a mistake there. I was like, what? <laughs> so, yeah. We'll we'll edit it so it looks like you laugh at the joke, and then it'll all be all right. I was just thinking that'd be an interesting crossover, wouldn't it? I was going to say the, T- the, T- the Ninja Turtles in the MCU because I'd be all for that. <laughs> I think that DCU actually. Because yeah, yeah. they really did that animated film where they like crossed up with Batman mm. like, a few years ago. But you know, Disney can buy the, the Ninja Turtles; they buy everything. Well, that'd be an interesting crossover as well: DC versus Marvel on the big screen. <laughs> Perhaps. Yeah, Carlos, something I was going to say about a couple of things I had about 
this with the whole thing of the multiverse that I said to I'd been kind of waiting to mention them before, but also I knew I had to wait to the finale because you were also watching these kind of almost in real time almost because you'd managed to avoid like a spoiler from most of the episodes. Uh, something I picked up in like the second, sorry, no, the third episode when I watched it back a second time is, you know, Sylvie seems to say that, you know, she thinks the universe is kind of, you know, like once chaos is trying to kind of implode on itself, which is why she tried to like bomb the timeline. So it feels like obviously everything wasn't meant to, like she's suggesting everything wasn't meant to be in one timeline. And so obviously everything is meant to like branch out into these like multiverses. And I actually remember at the time watching this and then realizing what was meant to come after this. Like, do you think it's any coincidence that we've got all these new universes created and the very next thing in the MCU that we get is what if? Yeah, that's true. It's um, it's quite it's quite an interesting idea. Um, mm-hmm. the, 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 I mean, obviously, from a Marvel and Disney standpoint, this is obviously the direction they want to go in and um, open up all these different universes to tell more stories and, and keep their franchises going. I guess, um, but yeah, from a reality standpoint, is is does the universe just want to? Branch off into chaos, probably, yeah. yeah. And then I like the idea, like, oh, we've created all these new universes, and then what if comes out? Like, here's a here's a small example of just some of these universes that now exist. Yeah, it's a good way to make them canon as well, so that it's, mm-hmm. that people um, might just be like, oh, I might not watch that because it's just what if. But now that after watching Loki, it shows that it's canon in the universe, so then it kind of gives people maybe more of an incentive to watch what if. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and it's really good. I mean, I don't want to give too much away here because me and Scott might do pods on it later, but the Doctor Strange one that they did last week, Christ, that was dark. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I was not expecting it to end like the way it did. No. But it does seem to be getting better kind of week on week. Does uh, well, if so, I'm, I've started to look forward to the episodes and that's a good thing about these Marvel and Star Wars related shows on Disney the fact that it's weekly. As we said before, it gives you something to kind of look forward to. Yeah, I'm very impatient, so I just kind of wait till it's finished and then binge it all. Uh, But what I really like about What If is that it's animation, and it seems to have, like, different animation styles. Um, And I am a lover of animation, so I'm really looking forward to it. Yeah, I think they've actually confirmed that they're going to have a second season of, of that as well. But uh, I, I said later they confirmed it, but I think they've talked about having a second season of that. So I'm interested to see what other universes we get to see in the future. You know, the idea of like, we're not going to visit any of these universes, but here's just an example of some other places because it's infinite universes, infinite you know, possibilities. Yeah, and yeah. they've got so much uh, material that they can reference uh, with the comics. So the possibilities are endless and what they could mm-hmm. actually do with that show. Mm-hmm. Yeah, hundred percent, and it also helps that uh, you know the the actual real life actors who portrayed them are coming back and doing the voices in a lot of cases, not all cases, but uh, a good portion of them are. So that's pretty, that's really cool. Yeah, I really, it really like helps, does it? Uh, especially given like some of them obviously are starting to get right, wrap up and have the live action, like uh, Chris Evans is obviously done and. Robert Downey Jr. is done, but you can get some of these actors kind of back. I think actually uh, Chadwick Boseman recorded more than one episode of What If, so we're going to get a little bit more of him, even though he's sadly no longer with us. Oh, that's awesome. 
Mm-hmm. Mm. Although I do think it can sometimes be a double-edged sword because voice acting is completely different from like live action acting and sometimes live action actors can't really emote enough with their with just their voices um but i think some for some fans of the mcu because they are uh they relate to these characters and they recognize these voices it might not bother um a lot of people yeah i think it can it depends on how you do it as well there's two ways of doing it i mean you can stick each individual actor in a booth and they record their lines, or they can actually be put in a, a room together so they can interact with each other as you know as they're reading the lines, depending on what the you know the scene demands. Mm-hmm. So um, I saw a thing. This is going back on something completely different now. The Fantastic Mr. Fox, and even though George Cleaver was just doing the voice, it was sort of acting out scenes as well to, to sort of add more realism to his performance mm-hmm. yeah because i just think back to was it the spongebob movie and scarlett johansson's voiceover work uh wasn't great <laughs> yeah some boys i just don't give a lot more into it than others like i've seen like videos of like mark hamill at the recording booth when he's doing joker and he's always he's always like making these weird like facial expressions and mm-hmm. he's moving. He's he's flailing his arms about. He said, and somebody said, oh, most people can be for sitting down or all and reading it together. He would usually stand up because he just couldn't sit down when he was like getting into the character. Yeah, he's so animated. No pun intended. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> very clever. Well, that's a proper joke, not like mine. <laughs> What are you talking about? What are you talking about, Carl? We all laughed at that one. Everybody clearly heard it. <laughs> but it's the only thing with the episode because, Carl, we've we've got this with like some certain really good episodes of like Bando, like how their episodes not a lot, a lot action wise might happen in them, but there's a lot of potential for future stuff that happens in them. So you end up talking more about that than the episodes themselves because that's what we've done here. Because I mean, anyway talk about here is what does this mean for the future what does this mean for season two yeah it's a weird sort of episode and it's always a paradox i mean nothing happens but at the same time so much happens and it even though it's not like exciting in an actiony sort of standpoint because it's a lot of talking it it is interesting and exciting it is a good watch i just love the character of he who remains the costumes really cool apparently he took inspiration from genghis khan and other past sort of uh people when coming up with the costume mm-hmm. uh, and i like how confident he is when he knows everything that's going to happen like he takes out there's even some like callbacks to episode one with uh, like him having like the sheet of what they're going to say which goes back to, you know, Loki being forced to sign this thing to confirm everything he's ever said in his entire life. And, he, and then as soon as he doesn't have that and everything's at the threshold, he's a lot more uncertain about what's going to happen because he thinks he's probably going to get killed by one of the Lokis that are in front of him, more likely Sylvie. And, you know, he also mentions the Universal War, which, you know, I remember Miss Minutes mentioned about it. And you notice how nobody at the TVA talks about the, the Multiversal War and then he brings it back to that and 
how it was all between variants of himself. And what did you guys think of like the reveal of Miss Minutes kind of being almost in on it with he who remains? Yeah, I thought that was quite cool. Actually, it's a nice little touch because you just think she's like a creation of the the TVA and just a little thing to give exposition and explain things. But you know, she's actually a tool created by he who remains to sort of don't know, keep everything on track. Perhaps no, but she's a cool. Even though it's like a little animated thing, it's a it's a cool character and it plays an important part in the in the program. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because you just think that she's just this little cute little mascot, um, but to see that it's a, just it's a lot deeper than that, and I think that that is kind of like a theme with a lot of Marvel things. It's like they always they look like they are one thing, but then when you dig a little deeper, there's so much more, uh, so much more depth to them than what they initially appear as. So. I thought it was quite it was quite an interesting development. Yeah, they almost do like a kind of a jump scare thing, don't they? When uh, kind of, she was kind mm. of a point of view thing of them wanting in the car, and then also she just appears. Because uh, we always wonder, like, why is she she like a recording? Is she actually there? And she says, you know, sort of both, and she's she's able to just appear and disappear. And so you got to think every so often she's going back and forth between the TVA and here and. Let, let he who he who remains know about how everything's progressing. Yeah, definitely. She looks like she's obviously jumping between the void and and the TVA, which is quite cool. And um, yeah, so what what do we think uh, overall on our, our overall rating on the episode, Scott? What would you what would you give it? I I'm gonna give us the full ten out of ten. I think. Uh, this episode because you know like you said not a lot happens it happens you know, there's a brief fight between Loki and, and Sylvie and it's a very dialogue dialect heavy that it's very dialogue heavy but again so much is set up for the future not just of Loki but the MCU because Ken Feige did say out of all the shows up until this point Loki would have the most impact on the wider MCU and we see that because now the it was all just one timeline but then obviously, it all, you even see it when the timeline's branching. You're making all this cracking, saying like everything's just it's just broken. And it's all out there and the multiverse exists now. And I think it's only a matter of time before we got the multiverse. And that opens up so many possibilities for the MCU. And it allows them, like the creators behind it, like more avenues. So, you know, it's it just given what it, and what it sets up and how, how excited it gets you for the future. It's got to be... 10 out of 10. Yeah, and Sam? Yeah, I'd agree. Uh, 10. Uh, I can't really think of anything to critique about about the episode. Um, also, I really like that even though there was um, a lot of exposition done uh, with He Remains, uh, but they used visuals as well to kind of uh, make it more interesting than just a character sitting there talking to you. So I really like that, how they were able to kind of combine visual elements with the with the dialogue. And also, like what Scott was saying about just being able to um, kind of like pave the road for the future 
of the MCU and all these possibilities. So, yeah, I really, really enjoyed it. Yeah, same. I'm going to give it a 10. Uh, I think it's really good. It introduced a great new character and villain. I loved his performance. It's sort of very charismatic, but you could tell it's someone who's sort of been on their own a long time and is starting to lose the plot somewhat with the, with the way he sort of talks and, and acts at times. So, yeah, really cool. And as you, as you both say, it just... Um, informs a lot of what's going to happen in the future of the MCU. So, really good. And also, another question I wanted to ask, how do you compare it to WandaVision, um, Falcon and Winter Soldier? How how does Loki rank alongside those for you? For me, it's my favourite, I'm going to say it. For me, uh, I've enjoyed that more than than those two, even though... There's nothing wrong with the other two. They're, they're perfectly great, but there's some some about this Loki I just enjoyed more. Yeah, same. I think um, Loki's been my favourite as well, just because we get to see so many different like variants of the same character, and it's just so many different possibilities and so much creativity that they can use with this series. Uh, but yeah, I would say this is probably my favourite, and then possibly WandaVision, then Winter Soldier. Yeah, I think from uh, we uh, least to first, I think yeah, Falcon Winter Soldier. Nothing against it, but it said a lot. You know, it was very relevant with what's going on in the world today, and had a lot of action in it. But in terms of overall story, I think it's going to really just it really is just setting up a new Captain America movie, One Division, uh, because is number two because of how fun it was when you're watching it, especially you know further into the different eras of TV and the, how the further in you more you can start to get the references and then yeah I think given the re- how I've rewatched it this all recently Loki has to be number one so far given that you know watching about this a lot more comedy than I realised in some of, these, some of the scenes and I forgot just how much I love Owen Wilson as Mobius there you go that's my one critique but it's still a 10 but on critique if any episode that Mobius isn't a feature in it my one critique is always going to be not enough Mobius. <laughs> when Mobius is not on screen, every character is be asking, where's Agent Mobius? It's a fair critique. I think the other two, Loki and WandaVision, are a bit more original as well. The concepts are, are a lot more original. I mean, we've seen super soldiers and, and all that before, but F, you know, F, the way sort of WandaVision started as well, like a 60s sitcom and everyone's watching it thinking, well, what the hell is this? And, uh, you know, Luke, you've all the time variant stuff. It's all very different. Feels different. Yeah, yeah and with yeah, WandaVision, I loved how every episode was like a different uh, TV show from a different decade as the series progressed until you got to the finale. But yeah, I did. I loved the creativity in that one as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's, it just because also it was the first, that was the first show. That Marvel did under this new phase and a part of Disney Plus, it just felt like every week there's something after the first couple of episodes there was something happening at the end of each episode to really get everybody talking about it. Whereas with Falcon Winter Soldier, as good as it was, I don't think anybody was in any doubt that Sam would become Captain America at the end. So that really kind of hampered kind of your suspension of disbelief, but it still had its own fair share. Trust me, no, you know Sharon Carter being revealed as a power broker and everything. And, you know, kind of the unanswered questions about Zemo. But again, I think 
you know, what's more, we'll, we'll, we'll look back on that more differently than when we get to see, you know, the new Captain America whenever that comes out. And neither of the other two had Owen Wilson in them. <laughs> I mean, what one division has overall, I mean, I'll say this going forward, you know, every villain reveal is going to be held up to the impossible standards of the reveal of one division with the, you know, the musical number of Agatha all along, you know, no <laughs> villain reveal can ever live up to that. That was just genius. <laughs> oh, I loved it. But anyway, do you want to do your plugs, Scott? Hey, before we go, though, do we? I was going to say we should let Sam do our plugs uh, first, but before we do that, girl, uh, should we not? Given that we kind of finished this little chat mini series, this little our glorious purpose is concluded. <laughs> we should say, uh, should we let the people know what we're going to do next? Oh yeah, that's a good point. Um, is it we were going to do? Um, I forgot what it was called now. Bad Batch, wasn't it? Yeah, we're going to start the new uh, Star Wars, uh, latest Star Wars offering, the Bad Batch, kind of the spiritual successor to Clone Wars. But we're going to do it in batches. Like we're going to do the first episode as its own thing, because it's like an hour and a bit long, and then we're going to do like the episode in like four episode batches. So like kind uh, of merge merge a few episodes into one, because even the best episodes don't have a lot that you can delve like too in depth with. So it's easier for us to kind of do it in batches. But after that, after that, we've got quite a bit planned. You know, kind of eventually we're going to do what if, and that concludes. And we got new stuff that's coming out at the end of the year with Hawkeye and Book of Boba Fett's coming out at the end of this year. You know, we are we've got a full calendar coming up here on Podden and Easy, so we're, we're we can't exactly complain. Like the timeline, we're branching off all over the place. <laughs> Very much, yeah. Uh, so we're happy, and if they eventually ever tell us when the fuck it's coming out, we're also we're also planning on doing the boys season three. But you know, we've gotten very little development on that. But uh, Sam, as our guest, do you want to do your plugs first of what else you've got going on here at Rogue Opinions? Uh, yeah, I'm working with Nathan on a podcast that is about heists that have happened throughout history, and they're quite um different like maybe niche in a sense uh that people probably don't know about them that much so yeah it's quite interesting i'm also working on the ew podcasts uh we recently did a predictions for all out and i believe we're going to be doing a reaction like review of all out shortly so That'll be quite fun. And I think me and Nathan are also planning on doing a metal music uh, podcast um, about just looking at different metal bands and just kind of talking about music. I like the sound of that. Perhaps I can force my way as a guest star on on one of those pods. Of course. The more the the merrier. I mean, when I say force, I mean, I help create rug opinions, so... I just well, <laughs> damn it! <laughs> Carl basically inserts himself as the he who remains of rogue opinions. <laughs> I'm the Vince McMahon, and Nathan's the Lin- <laughs> Nathan's the Linda McMahon. <laughs> Hope you haven't drugged him. I was gonna say, but <laughs> Nathan just gets wheeled around in a little wheelchair by Carl until the day he eventually rises up and kicks him right in the balls. 
Hartitude. This whole Rogue Bounce has been an elaborate sting all along this whole pot, and then he's never cared about Marvel or the Mandalorian. It was all to get you to lower your guard. Exactly. <laughs> and take over the world. Anyway. <laughs> 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 uh, my plug. Uh, I got the Rogue Retro Smackdown review recently uploaded our the Go Home episode for Backlash 2000 with Austin and the DX Express. You know, that iconic moment happens. Uh, Carl is going to be joining us for Backlash 2000 as a kind of a apology because apparently the last few times I got Carl on a pay-per-view for that series, they weren't good enough. So I have to apparently make it up to them. I had to sit through, was it Ivory and the fabulous Moolah? I mean, come on. Like watching two dinosaurs struggle in a tar pit. Again, I I did not book it. Hey, and you, and at least Ivory was comp- Ivory was at least competent. I had to watch that episode the episode the week following on SmackDown where Mae Young challenged the Fabulous Miller for the title. Oh, so, God, you want to talk about a couple of dinosaurs there? <laughs> not just come to me about fucking dinosaurs. Thank you very much. The only dinosaur I want to see wrestling is Luchasaurus. Thank you. Exactly. We'll just start to make a great WF Women's Champion. Oh, yeah. And, uh, like you said, we've got the EW pods. Uh, me and Sam and Rena have been talking about some ideas. Like Sam's got this idea where I will basically listen to him rebooking the, 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 the history of the Universal Championship and just pick a part of it as best I can. Uh, we've also thought about me, him, and uh, Rian getting together to review these new episodes of the new Star Show Heels. Starring Stephen Amell, a special cameo by one CM Punk. Uh, Scott Never Paul heard Rand. of him. Yeah, uh, I don't know why people are getting so excited. Uh, <laughs> Scott and Paul's Rowland podcast is now under the Rogue Pine Speed. Uh, you can check us out now. We've got uh, episodes coming up to do with Impact Wrestling. We've got episodes coming up to do with Frasier and some new ideas we've got. We've got uh, see, if I look back in Scott and Paul's round podcast is uh, back on available on all the same sites you can find Rogue Opinions we've got past episodes like series like In Your Calf which is a series where we'll go through all the In Your House pay-per-views uh, our most recent one was a few weeks ago where we looked at In Your House Beware of Dog uh, we've also got a series called From the Vault where we basically pick out uh, an old pay-per-view from history to watch based on Paul's extensive VHS wrestling collection uh, we did our debut on Rogue Pains was one of those episodes. It was King of the Ring, nineteen ninety three. Uh, I think that's it. That all I've got right now. That all. That all. <laughs> that's all. Yeah. Let's get. Let's people an idea of what's going on. Paul Van Pogg is about because they may be listening. Like, what the fuck's that? I mean, it's the show I plug at literally the end of every show. No, great. Um, King of the Ring ninety three, probably the best King of the Ring that they did and hands up if you were alive for that king of the ring just me was it okay well, you can't see no, you can't see me i'm putting my hand up i'm not but... <laughs> yeah you can find me at uh, carlos underscore fire 80 on twitter and instagram you can find us at rogue uh, underscore opinion on Instagram and Twitter as well and I've got things going on with Nathan where, where we talk about Manchester United uh, a new part of that should be recorded in the next few days uh, we'll be talking about 
um, the first three games of the season and the re-signing of a certain Cristiano Ronaldo. Um, we might even be doing a, a US, we have talked about doing a, a US Open pod, whether that will actually happen, I'm not too sure, but keep your eyes and ears peeled just in case we do get that done. And as always, there's the podcast with Liam um, Chronicles where we talk about villains and um, I think the, the latest one up is still the Thanos pod, which uh, has our very own Scott. Mm-hmm. That's a very good way to do it. Yeah. You got any ideas that you can tease the people with about who you might be covering next? Um, I forgot what order we did them in, to be honest. So uh, I'd have to find my paperwork, which I can't be asked to do right now. But there is a, I think, I think there's an Agent Smith one. Um, if that hasn't gone out already, there's a Catwoman one we did recently as well. I think there's one other, but again, I. So much time because we recorded them in back, recorded a load in batches during one of the lockdowns. I, I can't remember what's gone out and what I've still got stored away without having to look through my notes. Yeah, yeah, but, you know, I'm sure a lot of people will be interested in that. You know, Agent Smith, you know, a lot of people seem to love that character. Yeah, it's quite an interesting one to do. Um, uh, we did do one on a villain from Old Country, for, No Country for Old Men, Anton Sugar, which is a fun one to do. I don't think that's gone out yet. But... Well, I could be wrong. <laughs> but, but I'd just like to thank Sam again for joining us on this part. Thank you very much. Thank you for having me. Stay tuned for the episode for our new podcast where Sam picks apart every aspect of the DCEU so far. That'll be, I'm sure, a 20-part series. <laughs> oh, that'll be fun. <laughs> I've, I've, this pudding thing, it just, it just ain't easy, you know. <laughs> but goodbye, everybody. Goodbye. Bye.